Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to this batch video for the web novel Out of Space taken from the website Royal Road. And as always I hope you enjoy the narration and if you do please consider supporting the channel. Chapter 341 Griffin Down Conway 64 you are to take a left turn the co-pilot spoke into the mic. Turn left now. Crap. The co-pilot smacked the side of the cockpit. They missed the turn again. The damn columns keep being messed up by the storm. Ex- Um, Peter cried out as something bounced off his side. They're still shooting at us with bows and arrows. The gunners swiveled the door guns and engaged a small group of crazed, armed with crossbows at the nearby rooftop, painting it red. Spell on the left rooftop. The left gunner suddenly cried out as he saw a telltale signs of a magic spell being charged up. Frick! They jerked his controls, tilting the sluggish helo away from the threat just as the bolt of lightning energy crackled underneath the CH-1 Griffin, just barely a few centimeters away. Light up that roof. The marine manning the door gun compensated for the movement of the helo and fired, using tracers to guide and adjust his aim. The tracers glowed brightly under the gloomy skies and the marine ensured the rooftop where the mage had been was good and dead. Damned crazies! Peter cursed again as he ditched another barrage of arrows. 6-2, this is 6-4, taking a mix of ground fire. Watch your tail. x o r i This is a problem with the comms giving me a really bad feeling, Peter commented as he kept his eyes alert for any movements on the nearby rooftops. There, 2 o'clock, movement on the roof. That was set off another heavy burst of fire from the door gunners and Peter saw the roof disintegrate into pieces. Spell, 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 5 o'clock now. Peter instinctively jinked the helo to the side, but he was a bit too slow. The magic missiles hammered against the hard rear rotor housing, denting the armor. Almost immediately, blinking lights and alarms went off in the cockpit as Peter skillfully brought the helo under control and breathed out relief as sigh as the co-pilot checked the systems. No major damage, the co-pilot said. Think we're still good. x this is x Are you or... Uh? 6-4, we're just red lights on my panel. Control's still good, Peter replied. 6 oh, see smoke on your tail and uh, rather any... Okay. 6-4, roger. I think I'd better return to base and have it checked out, Peter said. All right, let's get out of here. As he turned around, the Hedos heading back towards the base, Greg suddenly yelled, Spell cast on your bum bums! Streaks of arcane energy brushed past the griffin as Peter tried to weave the fat and ungainly helo to dodge the spells, but the griffin was huge target and flying low. Pongs and pings of spell and arrows shook the hull as the griffin as Peter pushed the throttle to the max to exit the hostile area. Earlier, the magic missile strike on the housing of the rear rotor had actually damaged the swashplate assembly of the rotor. A couple of the ball bearings in the rotor were broken up by the arcane attack, which was easily grounded into metal dust by the rest of the ball bearings. It shouldn't affect the rotor much as the rotor shaft was built to be tough, but it was a different story when dozens of arcane spells were randomly hitting the griffin's hull and casting armor plating to crack off and splinter. The stressed rotor assembly suddenly failed and a piece of debris from the hull plating slammed into it. The rotor shaft, overheating from the damage, simply shook loose. The whole spinning rotor folded it in and ripped the rear of Griffin off, making Greg sitting on the rear hatch yelp as a fear as the hull above him disappeared. Instantly, the Griffin started to spin in its air as they lost the rear rotors and the counter rotated. Peter quickly powered down the forward rotors and tried to feather the falling helo. Crap, 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 crap! Hang on tight, Peter yelled. We're going down! Mayday! Mayday! 
His co-pilot spoke in a surprisingly calm voice into the comms. Shepard's six wall going down. The helo came to a slow spin and forward rotors lost power. Peter pulled the helo nose up, used the remaining thrust from the forward rotors to reduce his falling speed and control his landing. Luckily, they were not too high up in the air and Griffin slammed at an angle against the side building, toppling it down. Come on, 6-2, we have Griffin down. I repeat, Shepard, 6-4 is down. Mills patted the shoulder of the driver and stopped the vehicle when he heard the report. Raider actual, 6-2, say again. 6-2, 6 is uh. What the hell? Mills tried to peek up and look the window cheap. Raider actual, 6-2, any survivors? 6-2, stand. This is such a frick-up. Shepard 6-2 came over the crash site of the Shepard 6-4 and the pilot did a slow circle around. See any movement? He asked the crew. I see some movement. One of the marines yelled. There's someone still alive there. Roger, the pilot replied. All station 6-2, we have confirmed survivors at the crash site over. Put us down, Corporal Drake said. We hold the crash site till rescue comes. Come on, 6-2, the pilot radioed back. Marines requesting permission to secure crash site till rescue arrives over. Come on, negative, area 2 hot, at right aerial support, reroute at convoy and uh, trash site. Come on, says no, the pilot relayed back to the crew. We're en route to the convoy over them while they provide air cover. God damn it, Drake hissed as he vented his frustrations at the crowd starting to appear at the fringes of the crash site. They better get you fast. Another whiz, followed by a loud bang, rocked the jeep and its suspension. Mills leaned his M2 carbine out of the side of the window and fired at whoever was casting the spell at them. The streets were like a maze, but made worse by the shift barricades made of dead bodies and burning furniture, which forced them off course. He fired at a naked female who suddenly lurched out from the side alley holding a large piece of masonry. His shots sending her crumbling backwards as the jeep rolled past, while the gunner on the turret constantly fired in short bursts at any target gathering. Suddenly, the roof of the jeep shook as something landed on top and the gunner cried out as shock before dropping down from the turret as with broke knife blade stuck in his neck. Car one, car one, crazy's on your vehicle. Crap. Mills twisted his body and saw the leering face peering down from the turret opening. He ripped his revolver out and squeezed two shots and the face disappeared from view. The driver yelled out in pain as his loud reports of the revolver beside his ear deafening him as he jerked the steering wheel ramming it into the side of the building. You okay? Mills asked the driver. Thankfully, they were not traveling very fast. He climbed behind the seat and checked with the wounded gunner, who was gargling on his own blood. The rest of the convoy came to a stop and the men deployed out, creating a perimeter, and the medic climbed into the jeep to assist the wounded marine. This is Fubar! Mills came out of the jeep and said to Tyria, who was observing the surroundings, They blocked most of the street and we can't get to where we want to go. The crash site is that way, Tyria said. It'll be faster on foot to reach the site. Frick. Mills spit out a mouthful of saliva and blood. You want to go on foot to the crash site? At this rate that we are moving, the crazies will get there to them first, Tyria said. My men will move on foot while you get the convoy over to us and we link up at the site. Mills looked around the surroundings and considered Tyria's suggestion. He ignored the whiz of the spell that blew a precise hole in the wall next to him and finally said, Okay, take your men and go by the streets. I'll try and frick this situation and get to you ASAP. Tyria nodded and gave a sharp whistle. All right, Claremont 1, we're moving out on foot to crash site. Grab water and ammo. Let's go, let's go. You watch yourself out there, Moles gave a thump in Tyria's chest. You still owe me a drink. Tyria grinned and followed his men down the alley. 
See you when I see you. Command, this is 6-2. The pilot radioed in. Large gathering of crazies approaching the crash site. Convoy is still stuck in traffic, and Marines on board are requesting permission to drop and secure site. Over. Command, stand by. Circling Griffin could see lines of people moving amongst the narrow streets and side alleys as they converged towards the crash site like sharks sensing blood. The door gunners barely had a line of sight to fire the crowd as a small alleyway provided cover for the crazies. Amand, omission granted, A at God's protest. The smoke, CH-1 Griffin, laid on an angle in the collapsed building. There was a small square, barely the size of a basketball court before it, with a small sad fountain that water barely trickled out of from a decorative fixture. Greg the Great moaned as he shook himself awake. He felt his bum and feet hurting and saw a sharp piece of metal piercing through his left leg. He yelped in pain as he removed his safety harness and tried to stand up. Who knows, God machine? He wailed as despair as he saw the broken wreckage of the griffin. No, boss pilot. He half-dragged himself through the warped cargo hold, finding both marines manning the guns dead, crushed into a bloody paste. He reached the cockpit and found the remains of co-pilot underneath a massive slab of masonry, but the boss pilot was still alive. Barely. As he tried to drag boss pilot out of the cockpit, he heard the familiar roar above the god machine and climbed out of the cockpit and waved madly at the soaking halo. Alive! Greg and boss pilot alive! A rope dropped down from the side of the helo as it came over to hover, and two figures first roped down one by one. The two marines ran up to Greg, who had tears of joys in his beady eyes. Never thought Greg the Great would be happy to see Damarnes. Drake rolled his eyes at Greg's words before he asked, Who else is alive? Boss pilot at cockpit, Greg said as he sat down while the other marine took out a medkit to treat his wounded leg. The rest all dead, god machine too. Stay here. Drake said as he climbed into the wreckage. He found the pilot barely conscious in his seat and he checked him for injuries before giving him a dose of painkillers. Hey, I need some help here to move him out. They called to Kant outside his buddy and quickly joined him and together as gently as possible carried the pilot out, putting at the rear of the collapsed building together with Greg. Peter coughed and blinked his eyes in consciousness returned and asked, Where's the rescue team? Wear it, Drake said. You all right? Yeah. Peter tried to move his legs but couldn't. You are locked and loaded. Drake handed over a shotgun and a pouch of ammunition. You watch our backs and crazies come from the rear. Shoot them. End of chapter. Chapter 342. The Thin Red Line. Queen frowned as the strange thunder roars grew louder in the city, wondering what was creating such a strange clamor. He unceremoniously shoved a limp body of a woman he once had pursued before gaining favor with his mistress on to the group of converts after using her. The once lofty noble lady gave out a scream before she disappeared under the mound of naked bodies as they fought to mate with her. Quaim gave a satisfied smile at the scene before he picked up his discarded robes and placed them on. He strolled out to the opening window and overlooked the once perfectly manicured lawn, now heavily trampled over by hundreds of converts. He watched the ongoings of the converts who, based on their deepest desires, loot and pillaged the estate, while others murdered and assaulted the servants. Hearing the constant rumble in the skies, he finally did not keep his curiosity in check and gestured for his followers to brought his carriage over to use. Come, let us go find out what's making that noise. 
After entering the city, he made his way towards one of the tallest buildings in the city, and his eyes widened at surprise at sight of two monsters flying without wings in the skies like some kind of giant insect. He noted the streams of fire coming from the flanks at the rear, killing hundreds of his mistress's converts. He frowned before he turned to his followers and said, Bring that thing down, it's getting our converts. His followers bowed and headed deeper into the city, preparing to hunt down the flying bugs. He watched from his vantage point from the ruined trader's guild, seeing a noisy giant flying bugs circling the city and raining down its thin red beams of deadly fire that reaped the converts like rain. He wondered what kind of insects were they and how did the Empire ever tame such a deadly insect. His followers tried their best to bring one of the insects down. He saw them on the roofs throwing spell after spell, but the deadly red beams swept over the rooftops of his followers disappeared in a pink mist. Finally, the valiant efforts paid off as one of the flying insects appeared to start smoking and it dived low and fast, chasing it by several spells. Quaim watched in fascination as its back shell peeled off from its puff of oily smoke and the giant insect spun around but around before it disappeared from sight and appeared to crash. Go, bring me that creature, Quime smiled, knowing his mistress would award him greatly if he managed to bring such a strange creature to her. Norsalm, five blocks away from crash site, Tyria leaned out around the corner of the building and did a quick check of the street and his blind spot. He gave a wave as his men sprinted off behind him in opposite side of the street. Once they reached the other side, he patted Wolf's hand, holding his shoulder to signal him that they both ran. Suddenly, there was a loud crack of thunder as Wolf found himself head over heels before landing on the hard street of the yellow pain. He laid stunned on the floor as he felt his body go numb from the effects of a lightning spell. He heard his squad return fire and they suppressed rifles and Tyria's face loomed before him. You good? He coughed and tried to nod but the tingling numbling sensation kept him down. Tyria grabbed his harness and started to drag him to cover as it started to rain rocks. Fark! Finding his arms working again, Wolf raised his rifle and fired at the rushing group of crazies, dropping them as they rushed forward with sticks and rocks. The rate of fire picked up as the rest of Claymore 1 focus fired on the crowd a minute later. The whole street was filled with dead and wounded bodies. Go! Terrier ordered without sparing a second glance at the scene. He could hear the heavy thumping of the fifty cows of the convoy, still going strong a few streets away. They quickly slipped into the side alley and continued the way towards the crash site. Norsehelm, outer city, residential district crash site. Drake took up the prone position inside the wreckage and the griffin that overlooked the north side of the small fountain square, while Kant covered the east. They managed to salvage a single MG-1 with several hundred rounds of ammunition which Drake had linked them up into a single belt. The first crazy that entered the fountain area had five entrances in, earned him a bullet in the head and fired by Drake's rifle. His customized suppressed M2 with a long engagement scope easily tagged the next target and swiftly followed behind. He snapped his rifle left and right as more and more crazies entered into his line of sight, but luckily the crazies seemed confused and looked around, unsure of what was kidding the people so silently. Con seen the numbers starting to pile up, fired his unsuppressed rifle, which earned the attention of the crowd. His M2 carbine knocking down one after another crazed person as they tried to swarm his position. Drake's rifle ran dry and he switched over to the MG1, laying down heavy fire that crushed the crowd. 
which, to his surprise, the crazed appeared to retreat after taking heavy losses. The crazies returned again after a moment of respite, but this time they were armed with weapons. Swords, knives, bows, sticks, and even rocks were howled by the crazies, and they attempted a second attack. Norsalm, eight blocks away from crash site. Man the fifty, man the fifty! Mills yelled as the gun stopped firing. He turned back and saw the gunner slumped down in the back with half of his face still smoking by torn off by a spell. Frick! He climbed up to the rear and pushed the body aside before he popped his head out of the turret. Almost instantly, a missile of arcane energy shrieked past his head, making him duck instantly. Frick this! He swung the 50 cold gun towards the direction where the spell had come from, backtracking the source of the spell with the white trail of smoke as he spotted a robed figure with his hands glowing half-hidden on a rooftop. He gave the rooftop a good dose of lead, keeping his fire on the roof as the jeep rolled past before he was satisfied that the jerk was dead. He turned and faced the gun forward, firing at the crowd who threw rocks and fired crossbows at him when the jeep turned left and jammed the brakes as the street before them was barricaded with burning junk. Crap! Mills cursed as he saw their way was blocked. Suddenly, several spells slammed into the side of the jeep, causing it to flip over on its side from more force. Training instinctively took over and Mills hurtled down into the turret, gripping the safety bars just as the jeep hit the sidewalk. God damn it! Mills grumbled as the rest of the convoy deployed its escorts to suppress the crazies. Hey man, you okay in there? Crap, my pants, Sarge! The driver yelled back. I think my balls have shrunk. You never even had a pair anyway, so it's fine, Moles joked back as he crawled out from under the turret. You, grab the chain and the winch, he yelled at the EM rep driver. Hook up the winch and pull the jeep back up. The drivers of the EM rep nodded and ran off to grab the tools and equipment, while Moles observed the yells for a medic to check the gunner. He's gone, Sarge. The medic on the convoy came up to him. We got two critically wounded and several others with various degrees of injury. Sarge, I don't think we can keep it up at this rate, the medic said. At this rate, we will run out of bodies before we blew bullets. Crap, is this as bad with the other cars? Mills asked as he watched the crew of the EM ramp right up his jeep. Yes, the medic said. Other than the drivers, everyone has some injuries. Got it. Mills nodded and went up to his driver, who was checked the jeep. Can it still run? Yes, Sarge, the driver replied. But the side door is totaled. You can stick your head through the armor. Frick. Mills cursed as another spell knocked one of the men down, his chest plate smoking from the impact. He went from car to car, how many still can fight? From the reports, each vehicle compared he had one man without injury. Even the drivers swapped out with the gunners and the mooring guns. How the frick are we going to fight against the goddamn city with barely a platoon, goddammit? Mount up, Mills ordered, we're freaking sitting ducks here. Try and find another way to the crash site. Peter fired his shotgun at the back of a crazy as he ran past him. Greg the Goblin was holding onto the other side of the building, happily cursing the crazies and dealing death with a sword-off shotgun. He could hear the heavy gunfire coming from outside the collapsed building, intensifying as time passed, and he wondered if the help would come in time. Drake kept up the gun with the MG till it jammed, and he switched over to the M2, firing single shots at any crazies that crossed the line made out of bodies and blood. They had already piled up quite a number of kills, yet the crazies had no signs of stopping. They made probing attacks like some kind of wild animal tactics and even appeared to be flanking them from the sounds of the shotguns behind. Drake fired at another crazy who rushed forward with some kind of Molotov cocktail, 
which set off a small fire on the square and Kant suddenly appeared. I'm out. Kant grabbed the MG1 and started to clear with jam while Drake provided cover fire. Once the jam was fixed, Kant carried the MG1 out of the remaining ammo and returned to his previous spot and engaged the crazies again. Drake kept up his fire, aiming those that posed any threat in their position, like the robe mages or those with crossbows or even Molotov cocktails. He ignored those armed with melee weapons and focused on the ranged attackers, leaving the melee attackers to Gaunt. Suddenly, he realized the machine gun fire had ceased in some time and leaned out to check on Kant, only to see him laid flat on his face with his helmet smoking and caved in. Drake ran out of his cover to check on Kant and found no pulse. He gave a tired sigh and fired a couple crazies that crept up too close. He grabbed Kant's sidearm and ammo before he ran back to the collapsed building where Peter and Greg were sheltering. Hey, Drake called out as he dropped Kant's sidearm on Peter's side. You watch yourself. It's just me left at the front. Good luck. Peter watched Drake return back to the front and he held up hope was gone. Greg? Yes, boss pilot. Greg came over. Take this. He handed him the sidearm. You try and find a way out of here. What? Greg frowned. You want me leave boss pilot behind? No point in everyone dying here, Peter said. I can't move and you're small enough to squeeze through the sidewalk. Go find a safe place and hide and link up with the rest of them when they come. Away, Greg yelled. I'm Greg the Great. No give up on boss pilot. God machine died. Boss pilot died. Greg died too. Greg killed crazies. End of chapter. Chapter 343. Sacrifices. Norsalm, two blocks away from the crash site. Specialist Corporal Hitsu peered around the corner, seeing a throng of half-naked crazy armed with sticks and stones yelling and screaming someone down the street. He raised a clenched fist and the rest of Claymore one paused behind him as he observed the large crowd. Too many of them, said Hitsu as he leaned back, at least fifty or so, right down the street. Any other way past them? Terrier asked. I don't see any other way, Hitsu replied as he gestured to the other side of the street. The crash site is just down there, about another street or two, so we should be able to see it. Terrier nodded as the sounds of gunfire coming from the crash site had lessened and he worried that they won't have fast enough and there would be no one left to rescue. Drop smoke and charge across, keep moving. Hitsu nodded and plucked out a smoke grenade from his vest and tossed it into the middle of the cobblestone street. Seconds later, the smoke grenade hissed loudly and started spewing a cloud of thick, foul-smelling white smoke which covered the street. Go! Terrier commanded the men sprint across, ignoring the smell and pushed forward as fast as they could. Hitsu briefly saw through the cloud of smoke at the crowd of crazies were undergoing some kind of orgy before the smoke obstructed his view. The smoke had gathered a few of the more curious crazed townspeople to investigate, but by the time they got there, Claymore 1 had disappeared. Contact left, yelled Hitsu as suddenly a group of crazies appeared out of the side of an alley at their left. The crazed people gave a cheer and rushed towards Claymore 1, which responded by shooting them down. The body, taken down by point-blank shot, crashed into Hitsu, sending him sprawling down his back. He recovered a shot after another laughing crazy had held a butter knife poised to stab him downwards at him. Another crazy appeared behind the dying man and Hitsu froze, a little girl with a smile on her face, her hair tied in her twin ponytails and yellow dress dragged with hatchet almost to the height behind her. She gave a bright, toothy smile as she tried to swing the heavy axe at Hitsu, who hesitated at firing at the little girl. Fark! Hitsu! Terrier yelled. What the fark? 
Jolted awake by Sergeant Gial, Hitsu closed his eyes and fired his rifle. He could hear the bullet freshly slap onto the girl's body before he opened his eyes, seeing the girl with a smile still on her face laying dead, her mouth moving as she tried to speak her last words. The, the, the mistress wards. Norsehelm crashed sight. Drake felt he was totally in the zone. As every shot he made, he dropped one crazy. He was like an automaton killing machine. Nothing could get past his line of defense. Bodies piled up around his kill zone, and even the crazies hesitated to cross the zone after witnessing how many had died. Drake never felt so calm in his life. Even when fighting against the swarm, he did not even feel sadness nor anger when Kant died. Only that he must kill as much of these motherfucking crazies as possible to allow the convoy to arrive. A bolt of arcane missile suddenly slammed and hit his right arm, knocking him back. He switched his M2 to his left hand and continued to fight when another one blade swept past his chest, breaking his rifle and the trauma plating on his vest. The force knocked the air out of his lungs and he fell back, gasping for air. Crazy sensing blood rushed in and found Drake lying on his back. Drake, on seeing the crazies rushing into the building, ignored his wounds and painfully drew his revolver out and fired, knocking back the crazies who crowded around the entrance. When the revolver ran dry, the crazies flowed into the building, using their sticks and stones and hammers at the limp body till they stained with the entire place. Drake's last thoughts were the laughter of the red-eyed silver-haired witch before darkness and pain claimed him. Peter fired yet another crazy who found a way to buy it back. He worked the pump, jacking in another shell when he heard a collected cheer coming from the front. Crap, Greg, they're coming in from the front. Greg broke open his double barrel and shoved the shells in before he yelped. Crazies, no kill me, I kill crazies. He grabbed a long knife from somewhere and ran towards the front of the building, firing both barrels at the crowd that was mutilating the dead marine. The spray of buckshot tore up the crowd and the crazies fell back in surprise at seeing a goblin appearing. Greg slashed at the legs and bellies with a long knife and ran between their legs as they tried to hit him. Soon the whole crowd was in chaos as they chased and tried to kill the slippery goblin. Unfortunately, due to Greg's leg wound, he faltered and the long blade caught his back, making Greg curse. He was followed by another blow to his side and soon dozens of blows rained down upon him and he fell. But Greg gave out a final defiant giggle. You dumb crazies, Greg, no die alone. You all coming with Greg. He twisted out the pins of two grenades that he'd stolen from the marines as a joke many weeks ago, and triumphantly showed them to the crowd, who continued to attack Greg with fervent. The grenades went off while Greg gave a crowd of broken middle finger, and the whole room burst into blood and flames. The shockwave from the sudden explosion knocked Peter off his perch. He cried out in pain as his eardrums ringed loudly and he was recovering. He saw a figure standing over him before he knew it. He felt a sharp pain on his head, and everything went dark. Norse Helm one straight away from crash site. Go! Terry roared and his men frog leapt into the other side of the street. He frowned as the sounds of gunfire had died off and urged his men to move faster. Nearly there. He entered the debris littered fountain square and was literally filled with bodies. Even the fountain was squirting crimson liquid out from the decorative water feature. A dozen crazied people were still loitering around and crashed Hilo as the soldiers of Claymore 1 spread out. All stations, Claymore 1, we have entered the crash site over. Amand, roger. Convoy, roger. Tyria chopped his hand down sharply and special ops troops fired at their suppressed weapons. 
Taking those down still standing, he pointed two fingers at the right before doing the same thing at the left and the squad split up the sides. They swept through the square and only found dead bodies and any still alive were taken out silently. Sarge! Loke called out his need over something. He lifted up the bloodied Mark I helmet and said, Found one of ours. What was remaining of him? Terea came up and saw an unrecognized body. The crazies appeared to have ripped the flesh away from his skin. Even his genitals were mutilated and cut off, shoved into his toothless mouth of the marine. He went down one knee and removed the helmet before he pulled the dog tags caked in blood. May the gods watch over your soul in the gates of heaven, for a great soldier has fallen. Terea stood up and gestured towards the wreckage. Let's go. We bury him later if we have the chance. The members of Claymore 1 nodded solemnly and they headed into the wreck. They found two dead marine gunners crashed under the rubble and the co-pilot similarly dead. Another group of crazies having an orgy right inside the wreckage of the hull and the soldiers dispatched them quickly in disgust. Finding an opening that led into the ruined building, they found another dead marine inside, his eagle-spread body staked against a wooden column, similarly mutilated and castrated. Get him down, Tyria hissed. The rest checked the building. Sarge found another of ours. He had called as he carefully picked up around the shape of the bloodied mess in the room. It's Greg. Terry saw Altiot holding the severed head of the cheeky goblin. His eyes were put out as his skull deformed from the blows to the head. Find his dog tags. Sarge, building is clear. Hitsu came over with his hand on the pilot's helmet and shotgun. Found these at the back. Lots of blood, but no body. Our pilot is missing. Search around these, uh, bodies here. Terry gestured to the body-filled room. If they killed him, he must be somewhere here. If not, then they must have taken him somewhere. The men nodded and did a grim job of searching the dead, while Tyria radioed back to command. Command, command, this is Claymore 1 actual. Crash site secured. No survivors. Over. Command, confirm no survivor. Claymore 1 actual. 6 KIA 1 MIA. Over. Am Urcher is KIA MIA. One by one, the bodies were laid out in the square, except for the pilot and two marine gunners that were underneath the rubble. In Terea's hands, he held a bunch of dog tags coated with blood. Grab whatever is useful and burn everything. Soon, billows of black smoke erupted from the wreckage as soldiers set off the thermite grenades to melt the fuselage and other sensitive portions of the crashed helo, as well as burning the bodies of their own. The men gave a salute at the makeshift funeral before they left the square of the dead. Let's go, we'll meet up with a convoy at the Citadel, Tyrius said as he took a last look at the burning pyre. Norsehelm, four blocks away from the crash site. Frack! Mills quickly slapped and scorched hands on the Molotov cocktail smashed against the side of the jeep. His burning content splashed over the turret and dripped onto his arm. He barely recovered from that when another Molotov cocktail hit him from the front jeep, causing the driver to swerve and impact against the side of another building the second time. Almost instantly, magic spells, rocks, and arrows rained down all over the convoy. The gunners kept their fire up till the barrels of the 50 cal guns turned cherry red. Sarge! That driver cried as Mills dropped down from the turret to see what the problem was. He found the driver moaning at the steering wheel, while his armored sapphire windscreen had several fist-sized holes. Blood was dripping from dozens of cuts in the driver's face. Sarge! I, I can't see! Wait! Mills climbed to the front and took out his canteen of water to wash the blood out of the fights of the driver. How is it now? My eyes hurt. The driver blinked eyes rapidly. I can see somehow, but it fucking hurts. 
Don't rub your face. Moles grabbed the driver's hands as he reached to touch his own face. You got glass all over your face. You will make it worse if you touch them. The driver nodded and moaned as he laid back in his seat. Mills cursed as he climbed back to the turret and saw the whole convoy in shambles. Smokes and flames of Molotov cocktails and spell blasts covered the vehicles. He noticed two of the vehicles no longer had any gunners manning the turrets at his side, knowing that they had been defeated by the city. Command, this is Raider Actual, convoy unable to advance anymore. We have too many wounded and low on ammo, Mills reported. We are unable to complete mission anymore, requesting to return to base to recoup and resupply. End of chapter. Chapter 344. Rage. UNS Singapore Conference Room. Captain Blake listened to the report coming from Orwell's point with his eyes closed as he sat at the head of the conference table. The rest of the officers remained quiet in the seats, but the expressions of worry and anger were shown on their faces. We still have a pilot MIA from the crash, came the report from Joseph. We are having serious communications delays from the ground units to the air units before it relayed to command post. The convoy had to turn back due to overwhelming attacks from the city inhabitants that turned crazy. Joseph continued, We did not expect the entire city to attack our forces. What about the Rothschild girl? Commander Ford asked. What's her situation? As of now, they are still holding out, Joseph said. We have our Griffin Hilos running supplies to the besieged citadel. As long as our men's ammunition supplies are holding out, they should be able to hold out. Who? What? And how was this caused? Blake finally opened his eyes and asked, staring at the image of Joseph Isley. So far our people suspect that this is done by a localized cult, Joseph said. They took the opportunity caused by the chaos in the city to carry out their schemes, which in this case caused the whole city to be converted. Any known ways to save those people? Blake asked next. None that we know of. This was said by Magister Thorne, who was attending the video conference too. The mages and healers of Norsehelm have come to the same conclusion that anyone affected. Their will has already given to whatever evil has changed them. It is impossible to break a hold of the affected unless we kill the main culprit. So, do we know who the main culprit is that did all this? Blake asked. Which uh, god is killing our people? Magister Thorne gave a glance at Joseph before he replied, We suspect it could be the same one that was the one defeated here in Orwell's Point. Evidence shows the one that possessed the hunter girl. Blake cut Magister Thorne's words off. Um, yes, Magister Thorne's image nodded. We think they have a base in Norsehelm. What assets do we have available to respond to this threat? Blake asked his marine commander. As of now, 2nd Marine Battalion is based in Orwell's Point, together with Claymore 2 and 1st Armoured. Marine Commander Lieutenant Frank replied, 2nd Air Cavalry, 4th Fighter Wing, 1st Bomber Wing, and also 3 PT boats are stationed there, and 2 Heavyweight Dragons. We have 3 platoons of Claymore 1 deployed in the city of Norsehelm, with a couple modified rover barges en route with a company of 2nd Marine Battalion to reinforce them, Frank added. They should arrive by midnight. Air Force Commander Tommy spoke up, we lost one bird from the 2nd Air Cavalry. Now they are operating with two helos in Norsehelm. If they need to evacuate fast, we might not be able to bring everyone back in one trip, and our equipment will have to be left behind and destroyed. We only have one helo from the first wing runs to Orwell's Point, Joseph said. I could send a helo and Norsehelm and support them. Our supplies should be able to last us a few weeks. How about our assets here? Blake asked. 
We have the 1st Battalion and the 1st, 2nd and 3rd Fighter Wings, the 2nd Bomber Wing, 1st Air Cavalry and 2 Medweight Dragons, Frank said. 2nd Armour is still being outfitted with the same and 3rd Air Cavalry. They don't have the Spider Tanks and Helos. Captain, Master Sergeant Pike spoke up. We also have the experimental unit sitting around. What unit? Blake frowned as he did not remember anything about it. Well, since we are changing out the half-tracks with the newer vehicles, and they were just sitting around there. Pike grinned, and I got dozens of spare 70mm rocket pods laying around, so I got the engineering boys to work on them to convert the half-tracks into SRM carriers. Commander Ford gave an appreciative whistle while Blake gave a chuckle. So you mean you have a mobile rocket artillery in your pocket, Top? Yes, sir, Pike nodded. And how many do you have? Frank asked with a frown. Not much, just barely a dozen, Pike gave a shrug. Was hoping to convert more, but didn't have the time to do so, so... A dozen? Frank's jaw dropped. How many rocket pods did you strap onto those half-tracks? Seven each, giving a 49-tube barrage, Pike said. Reload is going to be a witch, but it shouldn't be much of an issue. It will be similar to the Katsuyu rocket launcher from World War II. I had the engineers work out a simple aiming and firing mechanism which works. Did you test it? Blake asked in wonder. Yep, Pike nodded. Accuracy isn't very good, but it totally blows the crap out of anyone within its area of effect. How much crew is needed? Frank asked. I say about two or three, Pike said. Have to work out some of the SOP for it, but generally a driver, a gun commander, and a spotter should work fine. Frank, I want you to scrape up some manpower to crew these weapons, Blake ordered. Do it fast. Send the two companies from 1st and reinforce Orwell's point, Blake said next. I want 2nd Battalion and 1st Armour to be pushed to Norsehelm. Pike, once the SCRM carriers of yours are fully crewed, bring them to Norsehelm. I want you to train them on how to fire and service those weapons along the way. Blake turned to Pike and commanded, Get logistics to support you as much as 70mm rockets as you can transport, and move to support the troops in Norsehelm. If that goddess, oh god, thinks that they can screw with my entire city and with us, Blake's eyes glittered, then we shall show them not to look down on us. They shall pay for playing with our lives. Yes, sir. Norsehelm, underground palace. Adon giggled as she watched hundreds of converts kneel down and bow. She could see their adoration for her in her eyes, smiles, and worship. Ha ha ha! Worship me, my little pretties! Ha <laughs> I am your mistress now on! Hedoni stood up, shapely figures shone through the thin fabric of her robes. You, you can call me queen! My queen! The converts, all original followers, chanted fervently, My queen! Good, she laughed, making the closest male swoon at her feet. Her laughter was like a drug, and they craved for it. I shall release you from the bonds of your desires. Go, have fun, do what you want, make love, eat, drink, kill. You, my children, are free to do whatever you desire. The mistress rewards. The crowd screamed as they fell into an innermost desires. Some started to kiss and made out with the neighbors, regardless of gender or age. Others strangled each other as they gave into their violent desires. Others started filling their stomachs with food and wine until their stomachs burst, but they still kept on eating and drinking. Hedone smiled and walked down between the spaces and crazed crowd, and soon she came to a battered male. Oh, how interesting! She traced a finger along the ears of the captive, making the captive moan. It's been so long since I saw one of your kind. The gods must have granted my wish. 
Hedone giggled at her own joke. I wonder, how did you get here? She smiled at barely conscious human before she turned to one of the followers who knelt and bowed. This is a great gift you brought me. This is your reward. She stretched out her perfectly toned legs in a kneeling elf. Thank you, my mistress. Thank you. Quaim crawled forward and quickly licked the toes of Hedone. Hmm. After a while, Hedone got bored and kicked Quaim away. See to his wounds, and when he wakes up, call me. Yes, mistress. Quaim remained kneeling, his head almost touching the ground. And one more thing, Hedone squatted down next to Quaim, her big, beautiful eyes staring right into his soul of Quaim, making him lightheaded with joy. He must not die. Yes, my mistress. Quaim wiped the saliva drooling from his mouth and quickly attended to the wounded human. Remember to call me when he wakes up. Hedone gave a playful wink as Quaim before he strolled through the crowd and engaged in an orgy in death. <laughs> UNS Singapore, Captain's Quarters. Blake sat down warily in his chair, while Princess Shireen massaged his neck and shoulders for him. He put a grateful hand on hers and pulled her away. It's all right. Take a seat. Shireen gave a gentle smile and continued to give him a massage. You need a break. How to take a break? Break gave a sigh. Nine confirmed deaths and one missing pilot. And one of the dead is human, while the pilot is also human. Blake closed his eyes. There are only so many of us left. I know you're worried about your people. Shireen started to rub Blake's head. I'm too worried about my people. Sorry. Blake reached up and held both of Shireen's hands and pulled her to his lap. I didn't mean it that way. It's uh, not like I don't care for your people. I understand, Shireen leaned against Blake. You don't have to explain. I know you care for everyone under you. The stress of command. Blake hugged the princess tightly in his arms. I'm not skilled at commanding ground troops and have a delegate to others. Sometimes I really wish they could do better. I understand that feeling too, Shireen sighed. But you have to trust your subordinates. I do trust them, Blake replied softly. That was why each death is on me, because they died under my orders. Sandy. How could you have foreseen such an event from happening? Shireen cupped Blake's face and stared into his eyes. You are not a seer. How could you know such a thing would happen in Norsholm? No one could foresee that. But I still think that I could have stopped this tragedy. Blake leaned back and against the chair. I gave the order to Joseph to stop them from using the helos. Maybe they would have died, killed in such a bad way, and we couldn't even bring them home in one piece. Captain Blake... Shireen glared angrily at Blake and spoke in a fierce tone. Stop second-guessing yourself. There is nothing that you could have done to prevent that. Stop punishing yourself, or I swear to God you'll sleep outside. Shocked, Blake stared at the angry expression on Shireen's face, when he suddenly started to laugh. Oh, gods, are you serious? Yes, I'm very serious, she huffed. Oh, you are the lord, and no lord acts as you do. <laughs> Blake shook his head in wonder. You are right. I shall stop now, but whoever kills my men shall pay for what they've done, regardless of if they are divine or mortal. Good. Shireen made a smile and gave a kiss to break. Better. This is the man I fell in love with. Norsehelm Rothschild's estate. The badly ravaged convoy slowly rolled to a stop in the marshalling grounds of the estate. Both marines and imperial soldiers stared at the sorry state once all-looking vehicles had come. Mills opened up the door and came off yelling for the healers and medics to attend to the wounded. The shocked owls quickly ran over to help, and for the first time they saw how badly they had suffered under the attack from the entire city. 
Mills sat down on the sidewalk and watched duty as bodies were carried out while others washed the interior of the vehicles of blood and spent cartridges. End of chapter. And that, my friends, is the end of this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the channel. There are numerous links down below. The easiest way would be to share this video and this channel to as many people as possible to help this channel grow. Your support is very much appreciated. And I will see you all in the next video. Cheers.